0: Hello everyone, I'm Frank Rock and welcome to From the Hacks, Waking Up with the Scotties. On today's episode, we have an interesting conversation about Scotties, jerseys and jackets with Colin Hodgson of Dynasty Curling. We recap Sunday's action at the Scotties and then reigning world junior champs Mackenzie Zacharias and Carly Burgess join me from inside the bubble. All that more on this episode of From the Hacks, Waking Up with the Scotties. Many of you will recognize my first guest as the lead for Team McCune of Manitoba, but Colin Hodgson is also one of the owners of Dynasty Curling. Colin joined me to discuss the process of designing the jerseys and jackets for this year's Scotties, and the logistics involved in making sure each of the players received their apparel, despite tight timelines and the challenges of delivery in the midst of a pandemic. Colin, many people have had good things to say about the look of the jerseys for the 2021 Scotties. Can you walk our audience through the process uh, that uh, Dynasty uh, Curling went through in designing the jerseys and jackets for an event like the Scotties?
1: Um, well, yeah. There's a lot of different stakeholders involved. Um, you know, the the event is the event doesn't happen without sponsors, without uh, the national sport organization, um, without the athletes. So. Um, there's there's a lot of stakeholders involved. So uh, in some ways that's good and in some ways that makes it a little more difficult because you have to get buy-in from a lot of different people. So pretty much how it works is, is conceptually we, you know, we present whatever we we feel makes the most sense and then that gets presented to all the stakeholders and we go from there. We, we figure out what makes the most sense for this event or what the feel is of the event and, and what the With the 40th anniversary, we wanted to do something to tie back to the history. And um, to do a knit, a stock knit knit pattern was something I always wanted to do. Pretty much since we got this contract, and even before that, we have done them before, um, the Glencoe Curling Club in in Calgary, they designed some of these. And and that's where I found out that we actually could do it. I didn't even know this was possible. So um, our designer, Kevin Hurry, is just incredibly talented. And what he's done with the uniforms is he's made an optical illusion um, with them. So the uniforms themselves are not knit, but the, the point is to make it, you know, still modern and tie in with the future of curling, which is players now, and you see so many youthful players out there, Where the sport's going. We, as a company and as an athlete myself, and working with athletes, I don't want to restrict anyone. So I think just using real knit sweaters was something that just is not plausible Um, It wouldn't be comfortable to play in, it would be itchy, you know, what we want is have performance apparel, but look, you know, the parts to tie it back in so that we could have, you know, real conversations about, you know, with different generations, because I know there are, you know, there's kids with their grandparents, there's all sorts of, there's friends who have different experiences, new curlers who have never seen the sport, and people who are very passionate about it introducing, so... The, the idea is to give a talking point and something to relate to and tie in as much history as possible. There's some interesting ones. Um, you know, Team has what has a Manitoba blue uniform, and what we did was we actually got a photo from Kerry Burtnick where he won. He, he, he took a picture of his jacket and sent it, <laughs> sent it to us. And, you know, he won in 1981 when he was the youngest skip. Ever And I don't know if that will be a tough one to beat. I think he was 21 at the time. And another one, the <clears throat> Manitoba Red, that uh, there's the wild card team that Team Beth Peterson was wearing, Kerry Burnick, also wore when he went to World Junior Championship. Um, he also sent a photo of that. And it's just really cool that we can tie these things in. Um, you know, the Alberta uniforms or something that, like a blue knit sweater with that Alberta crest on the back. That's something I, I've seen. I used to work at the Calgary Curling Club and they have the, you know, Alberta Curling Sports Hall of Fame in there, and I used to work in the kitchen, and I'd spend my coffee breaks looking at all of that history, you know, Bernie Sparks, there's, there's so many great things in that, in that room that I think people don't really even know, and, you know, the, the whole process is we come up with a concept, and we just try to execute as best we can in such a short time frame, too. It's amazing that, most of the uniforms weren't even printed until after PEI won, because that had such an effect of all the other teams down the line. So we didn't even get information until the last day of January or the first couple days of February, and here we are in the middle of February, and they all have uniforms generally spelt properly. I, I, I think I think we I think we nailed it. I haven't heard a complaint yet, um, and and everything fits. And if there's anything that you know didn't fit properly, we just made it work for the athletes. So I'm very proud of what we've accomplished and um you know our project manager Kaylee the organization she has to go through just to coordinate all this and just even shipping and everything during the pandemic and and working with our manufacturing partner it's there's so many moving parts and a lot of people to please and we're not going to please everybody I understand that but I think we You know, we did a hell of a job this time around, and that's not because of me. I'm just the coordinator of people. There's so many people who actually made it happen, and, you know, I'm just really impressed with
0: them. With so many moving parts in the process and with your customers living across the country, how often do you end up having stuff sent back because it does not fit? I'm sure that uh, must always be a concern, especially when you're working on such short timelines.
1: Well, what we did, to, I tried to negate all of those issues because we just don't have time to fix them. (laughs) So. What we did was, um, you know, my company, we actually bought sizing sets and sent them to every provincial association free of charge so that when the provincial champions won, they would actually have something to try on. Um, And in some cases, to take a photo of in, and to, you know, feel like they're Team Newfoundland or feel like they're Team Northwest Territories or, you know, just to, you know, when they win, they have a cool photo. Their stuff is, you know, they get to try on what they're going to wear. So... During a pandemic, it was a little different, um, and when we started the company, this was a big issue—the uh, fits, you know, sending different sizing charts, all those kind of things. So that was that was difficult to always navigate. But now, as more teams are wearing, um, you know, Dynasty apparel, we pretty much it's kind of all over the place. We we've got it in over forty-five countries now, so there's something to refer to, and and we do have a lot of the teams wear apparel on a regular basis, so it's kind of more like copy paste for us at that point, and then. We just have to make sure we get all of the logos placement different. Like, for example, with Scotty's Tournament Hearts, every position has a different logo. So leads have Purex, second cashmere, third sponge towel, Skip is Scotty's. So when you see that on the uniform, that means we actually have to redesign it every single time in that size for that player with their name on the back. So I don't know if anyone realizes, but it's about anywhere from eight – to 48 times the design work as, say, the briar because of the different logo placement. So it's, a, you know, there's a lot of really fine details on all of these uniforms that it takes to actually, you know, make it work out properly, show the sponsors correctly, so that, you know, everybody gets their value. It's, it's such an important piece of the event.
0: How many jerseys and jackets does each player get for a Scotty's, uh, Colin?
1: So they get one jacket, and they get four jerseys each. and then. We try as best as possible to get them to the teams before the event. It's not always possible based on when the team qualify though. So some of the teams were able to get their apparel produced quick enough and shipped to them. We just didn't want to risk any bad weather and missing, you know, the package (coughs) is going to their house the same day that they're flying out. We can't have those things happen. So a lot of them we directly ship to the venue and they are waiting there for them. Um, But in a pandemic, there's no seamstress on site in case somebody needs modifications because one of the very most actually the most important part to me is to make sure the athletes feel comfortable when they play like it would it it would be devastating to me to know that somebody's uncomfortable in what they're wearing so what what we try to do is get it to the teams early so they can make their own alterations at home because otherwise as you saw I think Shona Barber brought her sewing machine so I think she might be one of the only ways that teams could have had it altered unless they're hand-sewing it or brought a machine themselves. It's pretty pretty wild, the the stuff you have to think of.
0: And finally, Colin, the only thing about the jerseys that seemed to raise a few eyebrows this year is the fact that there is more than one team with a bison on their jerseys. Can you walk me through the decision-making process that led to having more than one team with a bison on their jerseys?
1: So there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, One way to look at it is you have a bunch of wildcard teams in there, and, you know, if they all make the playoffs, you have a national championship where it's wildcard one versus wildcard two versus wildcard three, and all of a sudden you don't see any sort of provincial representation on the uniforms um, of where those athletes actually play out of. It's not that they're not trying to. It's just they didn't qualify specifically this year for that uh, province. So that's one way to look at it. The other way is we've always only – there's only been one wildcard team historically, so what happens is it's always been the last, qualifying team into the event. For, for example, our team last year, we had to play in a game versus Glenn Howard, and we weren't in the event before it happened, so we didn't have provincial representation. So our representation was to get in that way. <clears throat> and I think the important thing to remember is the timing pieces of it all and the different stakeholders involved, plans can change. So when, when we're working on the uniforms, we have deadlines we have to hit. So we don't always have all of the information that you would think that we would have. So some uniforms were in production already at the point of when I knew what the teams were being called. So it's kind of a chicken before the egg thing. We, we just don't always have the opportunity to know all of the information when we do this. So I, I have got that question a lot. Um, I will say I certainly do not have final say over, you know, I, I don't sign off on the uniforms personally uh, or as a company. We do have other stakeholders who are the ones who say, yes, you wear this or no, you wear that, and, you know, it's that, that's just how it goes sometimes. So I know some teams felt, uh, you know, a certain way about that, but when it comes down to it, I think the teams are representing these provinces, and we wanted to make them feel, you know, special and for, for fans to – have a connection
0: so in draw five action on sunday morning team ontario moved to 2-0 and with an 8-3 to win over yukon after the game rachel holman spoke about how the team has gone about trying to develop some chemistry with new teammate sarah wilkes after playing only one game together throughout this season
2: yeah it's been great i mean we didn't get a lot of games for like games in necessarily but we were able to get put a bit of training in early on in the year when things were still open Um, And then when they've opened up and thankfully we have uh, Zoom and things like that, that we can have team meetings and and really dive in as much as we can and as much as COVID allowed um, for us to prepare for this. And so we felt really excited coming in here. Obviously, we were all nervous when you don't have any games under your belt and it's been a year, but everyone's in the same boat pretty much. and we've uh, we've all been there before. We've all been in finals and, and been in pressure filled situations. So it was uh, it was a really exciting kind of feeling coming to the rink yesterday. And finally, we're allowed to curl. So it was kind of a, a really
0: fun experience. Alberta's Team Walker moved to 3-0 and with a 12-2 to victory over Team Northern Ontario. After the game, Laura Walker was reminded that she had an identical start at last year's Scotties before the wheels came off a little bit with the team losing their final four round-robin games. Walker said the records might be the same, but the feeling this year is quite different.
2: I mean, it looks the same as far as our record goes, but it doesn't look the same as far as what's happened out there on the ice the- I thought I played my probably the three best games of the season in my first three games last year. And look where that got me. <laughs> and uh, these last few games, I think we faced a bit of adversity. I, I missed some shots. I missed some key shots. And we were, we had our backs up against the wall a couple of times. So I think that that's, that's actually going to be really good for us uh, moving forward. And I'm just trying to take it one game at a time and just just get each win as it comes and then not look too far into the future.
0: The Northwest Territories defeated Nova Scotia 9-5 to and Team Galusha had seen their previous game cancelled after third Joanne Rizzo had fallen ill. Rizzo provided an update on her condition and Galusha discussed how the previous 24 hours had been on her team. Thanks for everybody's concern and thanks to Curl Canada
3: for having such good protocols in place. They took really good care of me. They had the doctor come up to the room and uh, so yeah, they, they are doing a fantastic job. So it was just a stomach bug. I'm COVID clear. The test results came back this morning, so it's all good.
4: Losing that game to Northern Ontario our first night, Friday night, was tough. We really felt like we we should have had that one. And then, you know, we had a team debrief, and then we all went to bed. And after losses like that, you just want to get back out on the ice. And our coach, Jim Waite, sent me a text yesterday morning saying we have a problem. And I was like, what could be wrong (laughs) And then I found out Joanne was up all night sick. So um, it was tough. We didn't really know what the protocols were because the three of us, Margot, Shona, and I just assumed we could play with three. And we didn't, but at that point we had no idea what the protocols were and we were ready to go with three. Um, But... Um, in this case we were informed that if one team member is sick, you're all you all have to be isolated. So even if we had a fifth player, I know we got a lot of questions about not having a fifth with us, but it wouldn't have mattered. We wouldn't we weren't able to play anyways. So um, which is good because if Joanne's sick, odds are we might be sick. You just don't know. So yeah. So we were literally stuck in our rooms <laughs> for another day.
0: The other team impacted by the game cancellation after Joanne Rizzo fell ill the other day was Kerry Anderson's Team Canada, who stepped on the ice Sunday morning and defeated Beth Peterson's wildcard team number three by a score of 6-4. to After the game, Kerry Anderson spoke about the cancellation and said that it was just par for the course on what has been a strange year for the reigning Canadian champions.
2: Yeah, it definitely um, changed our day. Um, we uh, we seem to have a lot of hiccups along the road, um, but it was, it was nice that we got out to go and practice and uh, get a good 25 minutes in, so that was helpful.
0: Draw six of the 2021 Scotties was the Sunday afternoon draw in Calgary, and for team flurry, otherwise known as wildcard team number one, it was business as usual as Chelsea Carey led the team to their third straight victory to start the week, 9-2 over New Brunswick. After the game, Chelsea Carey spoke about her tremendous career record at the Scotties and whether it's due to any particular reason or characteristic. Um, no, honestly,
3: I, I, I've just been lucky. I've had some great teams and we've managed to kind of put it together when, it, when it's counted and had great runs at the Scotties. It's, uh, it's an event that I love to play in. And so I think I feel very comfortable and I get up for it. And I'm always really excited to get the opportunity to
0: play. And I don't know if that is what it is. I Honestly, I don't know, but I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> Team Manitoba, skipped by Jennifer Jones, moved to 2-1 and one for the week after a 14-5 win over BC. After the game, Jones said that they were not overly concerned with a big loss to Team Flurry in their previous game, as they know how long of a week that the Scotties is and that there's always going to be some bumps in the road.
2: You definitely want to try to I mean, get stronger as the week goes on. So if you start off a little rocky, there's room for improvement, which I thought we did today. And yesterday wasn't as bad as the, uh, as the stats or maybe the scoreboard showed. We'd missed kind of the wrong shot here and there. We had back-to-back misses and just got ourselves into some trouble. So we honestly, we went back to the hotel room, we weren't too concerned. Um, we like the way we're throwing it. We feel really good with speed. And we knew that we'd come out sharp today, and we did that. So um, it was just kind of a little bump. And
0: like I said, we thought maybe we just got it all out in one game, and we're going to be good from here on out. In other draw six action, Newfoundland and Labrador moved to two and oh to start this year Scotties, defeating Nunavut by a score of nine to three. And in the most exciting game of the afternoon draw, Quebec came back from six two down after eight ends to win eight to six over PI with a steal of two in the tenth end. After the game, Quebec skip Laurie Saint Georges was left almost speechless following her first Scotties nail biter victory.
3: Well, honestly, Frank, I'm still shaking. <laughs> um wow that, that one's all great. Um Honestly, I think we, we kept putting pressure on my my girls played so well. Such a good game and I think we, we actually stayed positive the whole oh, way. Yeah. We had fun. Like even if we were down four, we had so yeah. much fun. Um so yeah yeah, it just <laughs> felt amazing. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's just such a great win. <laughs>
0: Reigning world junior champions, Team Zacharias, known as wildcard team number two at this year's Scotties, did not get off to the greatest of starts this week, but that all changed in draw seven when they earned their first win 15-3 to over Yukon. After the game, both Mackenzie Zacharias and Carly Burgess spoke about the importance of getting that first ever Scotties win.
3: Uh, honestly, it feels pretty good. Pretty excited. Um... Uh, I think we just got to take what we learned from this game. We were able to learn a lot about the ice and throw some really good rocks. And I think we just got to build off of every game that we play. And that's what we plan on doing going into the next game tomorrow.
2: Definitely feels good to get one win under our belt. And it's a long week ahead, but hopefully we can
0: uh, keep this keep this going. In other action in draw seven, Nova Scotia defeated Beth Peterson's wildcard team number three by a score of 8-5. to five while Team Canada continued their strong play, defeating Northern Ontario by a score of 12-4. to 4. After the game, we asked Team Canada's lead, Brienne Meyer how she was feeling having swept three games so far after close to a year off.
3: Um, sweeping's hard to replicate in workouts. Like, you can try a bunch of stuff, but it's just not the same. So the first couple games, we got a little gassed early, just breathing heavy, but um, since then, it's been a little easier. It always is like that the first couple games, especially 10-end games.
0: So we've been feeling better and more ready for each game now and yeah just been taking it one day at a time the evening draw ended with a tightly contested game between team walker of alberta and team Holman of ontario the game went back and forth all night with the two teams exchanging singles until team Holman scored two in the tenth for a six to five win after the game emma Miskew was asked how important it was to play a tight game this early in the scotties after almost a year off from competitive curling
2: yeah um i mean they played great and It was a battle out there, so uh, it's always good to learn the ice. It's only game three, and we haven't curled in a year, so the more ends that we can play and learn the most out of all the sheets is gonna help us in the end. So, um, gotta sharpen up a little, but overall, uh, it's it was a battle for sure. Yeah, like uh, Emma was kind of saying, Alberta's a fantastic team, so you always know it's gonna be a close game. Uh, Only draw three of the event for us, so so we're still learning the ice and getting comfortable and trying to just get the most out of every shot. So we'll have a good debrief after that game and take what we learned
0: moving forward. And we end today's episode with reigning world junior champions Mackenzie Zacharias and Carly Burgess of Team Zacharias. Mackenzie and Carly joined me to discuss curling in their first Scotties, having to do homework while at a national championship, and what it was like playing the reigning Scotties champs on opening night. So Carly and Mackenzie, since this is uh, Waking Up with the Scotties, I thought I'd start by asking you, What's your uh, morning beverage of choice to help you get uh, going at the start of your days? I'll definitely have at
3: least one or two of coffee probably when I wake up. Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's me.
2: Coffee, but it's not something I drink in the mornings. It's just kind of throughout the day. So, I guess like (laughs) I just wake up and drink water. I have nothing else. Um, I'm usually a pretty good person to get up to. I'm not. I don't sleep in too much, so.
0: Now, Carly, it's been a few days now since you've entered the bubble, and I just wanted to take you back and ask you what it was like to enter the bubble and also what it's been like uh, your first few days inside that bubble in Calgary.
2: Yeah, it's obviously super cool to to be able to play at the Scotties, but this, this experience is so unique, and there's so many different rules and regulations that we have to go through prior, whether it was isolation before coming here. We've had three COVID tests now, and it's only technically day two of the tournament, but we've been here for about four or five days now. Um, And we have another COVID test upcoming on day five. So it's definitely different for sure. And we can't socialize with the other teams. And um, it's super cool to have this opportunity to be here and remember this from 2020 the year, or 2021, sorry. um, Scotty's and playing with COVID in the background. So an awesome opportunity to be here, but it's definitely a different experience than
0: any other scotties before now McKinsey, your team had the honor of opening up the 2021 scotties against the reigning champs at team Anderson. now i realize it wasn't the same as in a regular year as there was not the energy usually provided by the crowd in that opening draw that said it was the opening game of your first scotties against the reigning champs what was that experience like
3: yeah it was definitely it was a lot to take in all at once i feel like um we it was our first game at the Scotties. We were playing Team Canada, and we were on this and it was the first curling game that had been on TV in probably almost a year. So it was definitely exciting going in. I think we kind of just got our nerves early, and I think um, a lot of good things from that game. Uh, it was a lot of fun Team Canada, not going to lie. It was, like, I mean, it's not very often that we get to play such a good team, so uh, we were able to take a lot away from that game and learn a lot, and we're hoping to take what we learned there into the rest of our week.
0: Now I'm sure that uh, the two of you and your teammates have been dreaming of playing in the Scotties forever. And obviously I'm sure you were eager to start playing after being off for, for most of the past year. Did you find yourselves having to rein yourselves in during the first couple of games you played to make sure that there was not too much adrenaline pumping?
3: Yeah, a hundred percent. Definitely. Um, like speaking for myself and probably for Carly here as well, like, like you said, we've been dreaming of this since we started curling and, um, just like we've been eat, sleep, and curling like all throughout the Scotty so far and like Carly said too like waking up I've been waking up early as well just waiting to get on the ice one because we haven't been on the ice in so long and two because we're here at the Scotties and like the team we're getting to play is one of the best teams in the country so it's just so exciting to get out there to play these teams and definitely have to kind of rein it in when we get out there and try to calm the nerves and calm the adrenaline a little bit when we step in the hack but it's just so exciting and so amazing just to be on that ice with the scotty symbol and just representing uh, wild card too
0: one of the realities of playing inside of a bubble is that there are no fans in the stands that said i'm wondering what it's been like to play in front of hundreds of cardboard cutouts has it been a little disconcerting or has it been fun to look out there and perhaps see images of people you know or or images of different people's pets
2: <laughs> well it's actually pretty cool you look in the stands and there's um, cats and dogs, there's people with their face painted. Um, it's kind of cool to see all the, the supporters and fans, and it was for a great cause. And um, I know my grandparents actually bought a cup cardboard cutout as well. So, so it it is pretty cool to have some people in the stands, I guess you'd say. But it definitely makes it uh, very different because it's quite quiet in there. And um, we can hear the team quite well, but it's it's a different experience for sure.
0: So, Mackenzie, I've got to ask you, what is quieter, the Scotty's venue right now this week or a mid-season curling event at your local club?
3: Uh, the arena in Calgary right now. Um, usually in a club, there's just kind of noise with rocks running on the sheet and stuff like that, but here, because the arena's large, you can't really hear anything but the team's talking, so if nobody's shooting and if nobody's really talking or anything like that, it's pretty dead silent, which, I mean, like Carly said, it's pretty it makes communication really easy, but It's definitely a different feeling, Um, one that's taken a little bit of time used to, but um, definitely missing the fans out there for sure.
2: And yesterday it was so quiet. Uh, We were actually the last game on in TSN and we could hear the replay of a shot and Lauren screaming. So like we could hear everything.
0: The jerseys your team are wearing this year at the Scotties are reminiscent of uh, the jerseys worn by Kerry Burtnick and his team back in the early 80s at the Briar. How cool has it been to hit the ice with that bison on your backs this week?
3: Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect when we got our jerseys, but when we saw the blue and we saw the Manitoba in the back, we were just thrilled. This is awesome. Not only represent wildcard team, but our province as well. And um the jerseys too at first we didn't know that the manitoba blue was like back in like the 80s i think um someone actually came up to us and like told us a story about it and we, we were are just so honored to be able to get to wear this color and bring back that retro look
0: yesterday was sandra schmurler day uh, sandra has left an incredible legacy both in the sport of curling and in the work being done through her foundation carly you come from a family with deep roots in the sport of curling what does the name sandra schmurler mean to you
2: yeah, I was really young. Um, I don't even know if I was by then, but, um, just her legacy that she has left is phenomenal. And, um, I know my parents, um, always kind of looked up to her and I think, um, my mom competed against her years prior. So it, it is pretty cool. The legacy that she has let, left, and I hope that we can continue to, um, build this foundation and support it. And, um, yeah it's an awesome awesome foundation
3: <laughs> just to say it's really cool now too we
2: actually have the opportunity
3: to uh curl against her uh she's about the same age as me and carly and our fifth as well actually played with her a uh, couple years back too at nationals
0: so we are day three at the scotties both of your students with so work to get done so i'm wondering if you've actually gotten any homework done since you've been in calgary or has it been netflix and naps so far
3: I would say Netflix for me for sure. (laughs) It's Netflix for me too, but it shouldn't be. I have like a test on Tuesday that I have not started studying for, but it's okay. It's going to be fine. (laughs) I'll get my schoolwork done eventually. It just might take me a while.
0: Now, at the time that we're recording this interview, your team is 0-2, having lost against two tough teams. What's the approach now for your team the rest of the week? Have you parked those two losses? And what are going to be the keys for your team if you're going to get on track at this year's Scotties and make a run for that championship pool?
3: Yeah, so we kind of discussed this prior to the event, um, our schedule a little bit, and we actually really liked it. We knew we had two really tough games to start off the week but we also knew that those were going to be the games where everyone was going to be a little bit rusty and we weren't sure what to expect. So if we had to shake off a bit of rust, which I know personally I have had to do, um, then those are probably the two games to do it because they were definitely going to be tougher. Um, but now looking into the rest of the week. We're pretty confident with our schedule that we're going to be able to have some really good games. And I feel like our team's in a place that we, we're going to keep building off of every game that we play. So we're just, Really looking forward to the rest of the week and um, just taking it game by game again. We're not going to change that outlook on things, I think, and we're just going to see where we end up at the end of the week. And hopefully, we can still find ourselves at a good place in the championship pool.
2: And I'll just add to that: like every team here hasn't had um, the amount of time and hours that on the ice prior, so. Um, Getting those first two games in under our belt is um, obviously it was unfortunate to to go 0-2 after those two games. But I think we have learned a lot as a team um, from those two games about ice. And we haven't played together since uh, like October. So just getting back on the ice and we'll be improving every game so looking forward to the rest of the week
0: and finally ladies uh, wins and losses are important of course but after the year we've all had is it fair to say that regardless of what the end result might be for your team this week just getting on the ice and competing this week in Calgary has to be the most important thing right
2: yeah for sure and and we are so fortunate and um, so amazing to have this opportunity at such a young age and I just wanna thank Curling Canada for making this event so safe and allowing us to play because I know everyone's so pumped and thrilled to be here just to to curl and play the sport we love. So we're we're excited to be here regardless of, of the uh scenario at the end of the week, but obviously we do wanna compete here and, and uh show that we do belong here. So
0: And that does it for today's episode of From the Hacks, Waking Up with the Scotties. Join me tomorrow when my guests will include Laurie St. georges Skip of Team Quebec, one of the teams that have surprised many so far in Calgary, and I'm also joined by curling blogger extraordinaire Mike Fournier. We'll discuss the Scotties and also talk about his upcoming trip to the bubble to compete in the Briar.